And so I want to jump right into Fed Up uh, Part 3, and I would entitle this message if I gave it a title, All I Have. Man, somebody just say that with me. Say, All I Have. You know, my son, I, when he was first born, just his, his food intake was just absolutely bonkers. Gabe, I'm speaking of in particular. And the thing about Gabe was, you know, we were first-time parents. We were, we were like, we had no clue what we were doing, you know. Uh, I'm just so glad that the boy is still alive. Come on, somebody. And I remember, man, I, I would be, we'd be looking at him like, why is he crying? He just wouldn't stop crying. And it was crazy because uh, my wife's mom came over, my mother-in-law came over, and she was just watching him. And you know how veteran parents are, you know. They're just like, the child needs food. And so it turns out, that as simple as it seemed, we, didn't, we were not feeding Gabe as much as he should have been getting. So he was upset. He wasn't colicky. He wasn't in a position where he was having discomfort because of anything of that nature. Uh, but he was in a place where he, where he was not getting enough food. Who's going to stay with me this morning? Just trying to set this thing up. And so the fact of the matter is uh, that as a result, Gabe just started to have this disposition and this temperament where uh, food was just such a serious thing for Gabe. Like he was what my grandmother would call in uh, her Bajan patois, if you would call it, a guama diver. A guama diver is somebody that is absent. Some of y'all are laughing because you heard that before. Uh, because, and then she would also call that type of a person a greedy Gretchen. Boy, are you a Gretchen? Because I was always somebody that just wanted so much food, wanted so much food. So the crazy thing is, so my son, my mom would say, was following in my footsteps. And food is just a really big deal to him. And so for him to be to a place where he gives up food or anything of this nature, it's a really big deal. I mean, my son, watch this. Look at how greedy my son was as a, ch was as a child. And I love him. He's so awesome. But one time, and you know how parents are, the children always come to you and ask you for something when you want it so bad. I was so thirsty, man. I was so thirsty. That apple juice came right out the fridge. It was, you know, you know how when you put the glass in there to chill and the condensation was on the outside? How, who knows about that type of apple juice? And you came from outside and you're just like, oh, yes, I can't wait. And then Gabe, he always was sure. He's the type of kid, he hears a rapper crumpling in your pocket from a mile away. He shows up like, can I have? Can, can, can I have? I'm like, like he's like, he's like shaking, like he's on crack. Like, can, can I, can, can I, and so I'm like, he came up to me when I poured, the, had this apple juice and he shows up with the apple juice <laughs> and I was be, yes, I, I know some of you might think I'm going to the hot place because of this, but no, I'm not because I'm saved. And so Gabe goes, dad, he's like, apple juice. Can I have, can I have? I was like, son, this is pee. And he goes, <laughs> and he goes. But daddy, I like pee. <laughs> Don't call CPS on me. That was a very long time ago. But I was trying. He was just so greedy that he was willing to do, say whatever it was necessary just so I could give him some of my cold apple juice. But the amazing thing about my son, Gabe, I love him so much, and my wife is a testament to this, is that over time, as time has gone on, it's just been mind-blowing to see how that child, who used to be so clinging as it pertained to food and so greedy as it pertained to food, to see how he has become one of the most generous young men that I have ever met in my life. 
It's just, you know, he will give you, he, he has his little shirt on his back. He will do whatever it is, whatever. He will take it off and give it to you. If he knows you have a need, if he knows you have something that you want, he is going to, most times, babe, a lie. He doesn't get up and run and go and do stuff before we even ask. You know, he, if he just, he's so attentive. It's amazing that he now just, he'll see that somebody has a problem and he'll go out of his way to just go and deal with what it is that you're facing even before you even ask. Trust me, I'm going somewhere with this thing. And so here in the text, here in the text, I love this story. This is the story where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Everybody say 5,000. And these people end up being fed up in a good way. Because we've been looking uh, for the past few weeks, we've been looking at the fact uh, that oftentimes people are fed up. And they're fed up uh, because of, not because of God in many cases, but because of people. Come on somebody. People who profess to be Christians. And then we look in the second week, we looked at the fact that uh, we have to be individuals that understand that when we are tested, that every test is a testimony of God's faithfulness in seed form. Somebody's still hanging on to that word from last Sunday. But this week, I want to look at being fed up in a, pos- a positive way because sometimes we're, we're fed up because of people and we're fed up because of the test. But God here in the passage, at the culmination of this story, God, uh, Jesus, Jesus, God in the flesh, feeds 5,000 people and does so in a miraculous way where these people leave, leave fed up, fulfilled with what it is that he has to offer. And so this is amazing to me. I love it. I love it. Uh, now, now let's look at this because the, the, the passage makes it clear as we go on that Andrew, everybody say Andrew, Andrew, it says in the, in the uh, eighth verse of John chapter six, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, uh, Jesus said, have the people sit down. So Andrew presents uh, this solution after Philip. Remember, God said that he tested, he added. The Bible says that he asked Philip the question, where are these people going to get food to eat? Because he wanted to test him. Somebody say test him. And so that was the purpose. And so after he tests him, uh, the fact is that Andrew then presents another option. And the option that he presents includes a little boy who has lunch. And I love it because Jesus doesn't rebuke this boy as we see is his pattern uh, as he's dealing with people, as he's dealing with children. Many times we as parents and we as adults, we try to push children away or cast them away. But Jesus is also often calling our attention to them because they have oftentimes valuable lessons for us to learn. Can I let you know something? The fact is, uh, and I'm just setting this thing up. It says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 through 5, you can write it down and check it out later, uh, where it is that Jesus is having an interaction and he's making it clear uh, that in, unless we humble ourselves like little children, that we will not even see the kingdom of God. And so he references, he references the disposition of children and even tells us in that passage the same way that he does in other places that sometimes, can I let you know, sometimes we've got to take our cue from children. It's some adults, if I can just make it clear, uh, some adults that actually act worse than the babies. And while we out here rebuking children, the fact of the matter is that children are often acting the grown way that we're supposed to act while we act in the fool. Can somebody just say amen in this place today? 
And so we often, this is why Jesus uh, just puts us in this position. I often look at Gabe and Noah and how it's so easy for them to forgive my sons and how even Claire now runs and goes and gives hugs so quickly. And it's just amazing to me. And I look and I just say, man, I wish that I could be to that place where I just let go of stuff easily. Anybody in this place that, well, you know, I just wish, I wish that I could have that childlike faith, you know. And so oftentimes we ought to take our cue from children because they give us a great example. And so Jesus makes this clear. And here in the passage, I love it because, you know, instead of dealing, some deal with the miracle. And I think that's amazing. And some deal with the fact that Jesus fed these 5,000 and, and that there were some left over and all of this stuff. I, I think that's, that's fantastic content. But I just, I'm fascinated and I love it. I just want to unpack this because, uh, because these Jesus decides to use this little boy. Everybody say little boy. This little boy in the text, he decides to use him. And I believe uh, just after the similitude of the way that he encouraged us to take our cue from children sometimes, that there are some things that we can learn from his interaction with this child on today. Is that okay? So, you know, the thing that I love the most is, if you will, in the sixth verse, if we go back a little bit further, if we can just get this party started. uh, The Bible says he said this regarding Philip, his question, where are we to get things to eat? It says that he said this uh, to test him for he himself knew what he would do. And I, I alluded to the fact and mentioned it briefly uh, last week about the fact that uh, before it didn't matter what Philip or Andrew said in answer to the test of the question. Jesus already knew and had a plan as to what it was that he was going to do. He already knew uh, that he was going to use that little boy as an accomplice to the miracle. Ah, my God, I just want to encourage a parent to this morning. I just want to encourage a parent or, or a big brother or a big sister or somebody who is a mentor that, that the children that are in our lives, that God has a plan for them. Come on, somebody, even before they are born and enter into this earth. Who's with me this morning? The devil might have a design for them to be an accomplice to a murder. The devil might have a design for them to be an accomplice uh, to a robbery or something of this nature but I wonder if there's anybody in here that understands that God has a plan for our children and we have to keep our eyes open and be on the lookout because I'm telling you man when I was a child can I just talk about it when I was a child man I used to see things that were unimaginable and deal with stuff and you know the devil that's why the devil starts messing with children from when they're young because he knows that God has a plan for their lives I'd be lying in my bed, shook and scared because we had metal banisters in our house. And I'll never forget on 44 Rakewood Avenue, Rakewood Crescent, I used to hear the banister playing like a harp. All through the night and I would be awake just lying there paralyzed. And I didn't know what to do. I'm like, what do I do, Jesus? And I would literally pee my bed so that I would have an excuse to yell out for my mom and my dad to come. And oftentimes you don't even realize this spiritual warfare is real. Come on, somebody. And I wonder if there's anybody else that had experiences like those as children. And that's why the devil will oftentimes deal and mess with children because he knows that God already has a plan for them to be a part of a miracle. Look at somebody tell them we got to watch our kids. We got to watch our kids. Come on, tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them we got to guard our children, guard our children. 
you know, don't look at them and just say, oh, you just a baby. Don't look at them. You know, their King Josiah was a king from when he was a child. Come on, somebody. God called Jeremiah in his youth. And so God can use and raise up children and we have to be able, but that's just a side note. So moving on, I just want to, I just love this because the fact of the matter is, here it is. Uh, so Andrew is the one, the disciple that decides to bring, uh, to bring this little boy and his lunch to Jesus. And Jesus confirms, because Jesus already knew, that's what it said in the text. He wasn't just finding out when Andrew brought him. Jesus already knew that he was going to use this little boy to be, to do this miracle, to be the conduit through which this miracle took place so can i give you point number one point number one if you're taking notes write this down it says god strategically chooses people to be a platform for the supernatural think about this man i mean i just love the fact that god is so strategic god is a god that he created water before he created fish come on somebody because he has a he's a planning god he's a god that does things strategically who am i talking to this morning how many of you know that there were five thousand people who were there there were 5,000 people who were there, and not including women and children, 5,000 men who were there. I'm pretty sure that there was someone else there who also may have brought a lunch. I'm sure that this little boy was not the only person who decided, you know what, I'm going out for the day, I'm going to pack a lunch. No, but Jesus and his leadership, come on somebody, was able to identify the call on this young man's life and strategically put him in place to be a platform for us, the supernatural to take place. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. Somebody thinks that you're placed where you are or you show up in the middle of crisis situations for some of you some of you think you were born into the family that you were born into and you think oh everybody's crazy in this family and i'm the only one that's saying you might have been put in a position where you are in a household and you're saying god this happened by accident but can i tell you this morning my brother and sister that god strategically chooses people to be a platform for the supernatural so when you're in the middle of that house and you're saying everybody's cutting up and acting a fools and everybody's acting like a waste man and there's no way for anything good to come out of here oftentimes god puts you in that position so you can be the one that he uses to bring normalcy to that household everybody cutting up on your job and acting the fool and you looking like saying god why did you allow me to be here at this job this must mean that i'm supposed to quit when in actuality god wants to demonstrate he wants you to be a stage and a platform for his power to be demonstrated he strategically places people in position so they can be a platform for the supernatural when you understand that you start to view your situation in a different way who am i talking to when you understand that you start to view your situation in a different way you stop looking at it as a burden and you see yourself as someone that god can use to bring breakthrough he, he chose this little boy out of thousands. And we usually just think, oh, this was the only little boy that had lunch. I'm sure it was some other folk there that had some food too. But he chose him and he said, this guy has what he has, man. I just love it. You know, and the fact of the matter is, can I just let you know? Because there were all sorts of people in that crowd. There had to have been someone who was there who may have had the capability, come on church, of being able to take care of the entire need of the crowd. 
But that would not have been in the position where that person would have been in a stage to do the miraculous. If one person just took care and said, hey, I got all the money, I'm going to just take care of it and that's it, then so be it. And that wouldn't have been a display of God's power. Uh, It was more of a display of God's power through that little boy with only five loaves and two fish. Come on, somebody. And there might be somebody here who's saying, you know what? Uh, You know, this need, ah, that's not a problem. I got money. I can take care of such and such oh that's not a big deal well the fact of the matter is that oftentimes god might not have called on you for this problem come on somebody but no matter how wealthy you are there's always going to be a need that's bigger than your wealth and number two everybody say number two Number two, the fact of the matter is, uh, this is this is it. So note that the boy had five loaves and two fish. Somebody say five loaves and two fish. But can I tell you, as it pertains to the miraculous, that it's not about what you have. It's about what it becomes in the hands of the master. Uh, Let me say this. Let me say this again. As it pertains to the miraculous, it's not about what you have, but it's about what it becomes in the hand of the master see it was just two fish and five barley loaves and these are some small little loaves and things of this nature that we could have looked at but see the fact is no matter what it is that you have uh, it's not about what you have it's it, it's about what it becomes in the hands of the master somebody in here today and you're saying all i have is fill in the blank all i have is x y or z but i'm here to tell you that god is not limited by what you have god specializes in taking what you have and using it to do a miracle and so somebody feels inadequate this morning somebody feels where you're to a place uh, that God can't use you because you don't have all I have is x amount of years of experience all I have is this x y or z and I don't know who I'm talking to this morning but I strongly feel that there's somebody in here who feels inadequate and I just have to tell you that no matter what it is that you have that God you have everything you need for God to do the miraculous in your life Are you with me this morning? It wasn't the food content. It wasn't the food type. It wasn't the the quantity that constituted the miracle. It was his willingness to put it in the hands of the master when it was required of him. Come on, church. Oh, my God. It's not about what you have or how much of it you have. It's about your willingness to say yes to the master when he requires it of you. Come on, somebody. When Jesus shows up, there's some power in your yes. And you got to get to the place and I got to get to the place where we're willing no matter what we have. God just wants you to whatever it is, wants you to be available with what it is that you have in your presence. And can I just tell you, man, that oftentimes it's not that God is unwilling to do a miracle in and through us. It's that we're unwilling to put what we have in his hands. So, so, oh, God must not be willing to do X, Y, or Z. God must not be willing. We, we say that, we use that God must not be willing uh, out for, for so many things. I'm not going to say for everything because some things he's not willing to do. But the fact is that many times we use that as an out when the fact is it's not that he's not willing. It's that we're unwilling to put it in his hands. 
Some of us, there's, there's things in your life that I sense in here as it pertains to your relationship. There are things in here as it, as it pertains to your business or your scholastic endeavors. What is it that you're holding back and not putting it in, putting in his hand? Is it your, is it your children? Is it your, is it, what is it? Is it that you're trying to be uh, controlling with and you're keeping it to yourself and you're putting yourself in a position where you're unwilling to turn it over to him? The awesome thing about this boy is that he was willing it wasn't what he had or how much he had but he had a willingness to turn it over to the master man i I, this is this is just so he he was he was he was to the place where you know what i love about this Can, can i can we just talk today i just want you to grab this because the fact is look at what this little boy does he is a little boy in the midst of a company of thousands of people and there's a problem they need to eat and he don't say oh a grown-up's gonna take care of it he does not pass the responsibility off to somebody else he could have said no but he took ownership of what was going on in his surroundings my God, uh, there are too many of us that when we see a problem in our circumstances, when we see a problem in our city, we just say, oh, that organization is going to take care of it. When we see somebody off at the side who has issues and has problems, we say, oh, somebody else will drive by and put money in their pot. Who am I talking to? Somebody else, somebody else, somebody stop saying somebody else. And I wonder if like this little boy, one or two of us would get to the place where we start taking ownership of what it is that's happening. If it's happening in my city, it's related it to me and whatever I have come on somebody I'm willing to put it in God's hands and let him use it to be able to meet the need that is surrounding me we have to be willing somebody say I got to take ownership got to take ownership you know when it's stuff that's why when you're a part of a church family when you're a part of a church family you don't say oh that's just you know that's just their thing if I'm in a body and I'm a part of a body when my hand hurts like it's the rest of the body feels that the that the hand is in pain come on somebody and so you can't say that you know someone else has an issue or you know something's going on and not take not feel it or take ownership of it are you still with me this morning so number one, God strategically chooses people to be a platform for the supernatural like he did for that little boy. Number two, the miraculous is not about what you have. It's about what, about what it becomes in the hand of the master. Man, I hope somebody grabbed that right there. And this boy, I love it because he sacrificed, man. He was starving Marvin. Dude showed up and he was like, man, and you know Jesus was preaching long-winded too. And he's like, yo, man, this is food I need to eat. I'm starved, brethren. He's like, what am I going to do? But he decided that in that moment, because he took ownership of what was happening, he was willing to sacrifice. And you need to write this down. Can I help you to understand this? Sacrifice, watch this, is not giving what you can from what you have. It's giving what you can't from what you need. Pick it, pick it. Sacrifice is not giving what you can from what you have. That's just giving. Sacrifice is giving what you can't, what you need, right? What, what, what you, I need this to pay the bill. I need this to, to, to take care of X, Y, and Z. It's sacrifice when you're giving this thing away and you need it. And this boy was willing to do that. 
This boy was willing to put himself in a position where he was willing to give up something he needed so that the greater good could be taken care of. And we just live in a generation, man, that really can take a cue from some children because we're to the position where we are so selfish and we're only so narcissistic and always looking to ourselves and about ourselves when so many people around us are dying and are impacted. Like that A21 deal that we were talking about, the march that's getting ready to take place. You say, oh, that's just out there that they're having you know that they that sex trafficking is happening it's happening in your city it's not just in third world countries come on somebody and we have a responsibility to be able to stand for those who have no voice who are being captured and enslaved and this is a part of what we do by being in a position of sacrifice are you with me and number three somebody say number three Number three, I just love it because I want us to focus really quickly on what it is that the boy that came as a result of the boy's sacrifice. Are you still with me? There are a number of things just really quickly before we close that happened uh, about the boy's sacrifice. I want you to t- I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Say our sacrifice has multifaceted impact. In other words, when you sacrifice like this little boy did and when you're generous in this sort of a way, you don't realize that this sacrifice that you make, it has multifaceted impact. In other words, it makes impact on many levels. Are you still with me? The fact is, can I just tell you, number one, the boy's sacrifice impacted his worship. Somebody say his worship. Because whenever it is, Dwayne, that you get to the place that you turn over whatever it is that you have into the hands of God. Come on, somebody. That's your you're you're in a place of worship where you're saying, God, you know what? I trust you as the God that is able to take care of me, even though I am giving you what I have in my hand. And so it impacted his worship because he was able to he was able to be in a position where he was trusting God when he was acknowledging God as provider and capable of being able to handle what he put in his hands. Who's still with me? Not only this, uh, it impacted also his faith. Because whenever it is that we get to a place of sacrifice and trust in God and we decide that we're going to trust God with what it is that we have in our hand, it puts us and brings us to a place where our faith is grown. God allows and calls us to sacrifice because his desire is to grow our faith so that every time, every round, when something else comes up, that you are your faith is to the place where you no longer question what God is telling you to do. His desire is for your faith to grow. And this is why he says, without faith in Hebrews eleven six, 6, it's impossible to please him that those of us who come to him must believe that he is, there it is, that's worship, and that we must believe that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. So when it is that we put trust in him or sacrifice, we're worshiping him, but we're also growing our faith. Are you with me? So it was his worship that was affected, his faith. But not only this, it was also his stomach. When he gave from what he had, even though he gave all of his food, how many of you know that he wasn't starving when God decided to go ahead and multiply all of that food? And some of us, the reason why we're stingy and we're unwilling to be generous with what we have is because we're scared that if I let go of what's in my hand, that my life is going to be jacked up. But how many of you know, and I'm a witness, that when you sow, that it might leave your hand, but it will never leave your life. 
And God is a God. If I'm man, I just feel like having church right here because I'm a witness that God is a God that he never forgets the seeds that are sown when you sow them into the kingdom or especially when you sacrifice. And he'll take care of you when you're being a blessing to others. Who am I talking to this morning? I love 2 Corinthians chapter 9 where it goes on and it talks about verse 6. says, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And it talks about how God loves a cheerful giver and we're not to give under compulsion or pressure or out of necessity. And we're supposed to be individuals that understand that through our giving that God blesses us to where not only are our needs met, but we're able to be able to have all sufficiency to go out and be a blessing to other people. And so God takes care of us. And trust me, if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Come on, church. And so the fact of the matter is, so it affected his worship. It affected his faith. It affected his stomach because he ate. But consequently, it also affected his circle. Those in his circle of influence were able to be inspired and impacted as well because of his obedience. How many of you know that your yes doesn't just impact your life? But when you say yes to God, when he calls on you to sacrifice, it also impacts those in your circle of influence. So many of you, you think that's just what God, God, my yes is just about me. No, it's not just about you. The miracle that God does in your life, he seldom blesses us so it can just impact us. But he blesses us and does the miraculous in our life so that we can be a blessing and it can impact others in our service. I'm sure that little boy, man, he did. Imagine how his faith grew as a little boy by giving his lunch over and seeing all of those people impacted. And I just love, I love how God does that in our lives. You know, and I, and I just, I just want to say this, I, I, something that I noted in verse 10. If you go to verse 10, and I'm almost done, it says, Jesus said, half the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And Jesus took the loaves and ends up doing what he did. So he says, half the men sit down. The men sit down and then the men sat down. And then it goes on and says that everyone who was sat down, that he gave them, they were, they were recipients of this miracle. And the fact is, so these men, they were, they reaped the benefits of the miraculous that happened through this little boy, not just because they were present, but because they were positioned. So they weren't just there when Jesus said, sit down, they sat down. And that's why they experienced the miracle. Can I tell you, man, there's miracles that's happening at Surf City Church. God is present and God is here. And oftentimes God has a call on houses. And, you know, some of us, we say, oh, God must not be here or God must not like me or Jesus don't want to bless my life. But oftentimes it's not because you're not showing up on Sunday. It's not because you're not present. Come on, somebody. But the question is, is your life positioned to receive the miraculous that's happening in the house? People can be talking about, I shared how somebody called me randomly and said, God told me to pay off your student loan. You know why that happens? Because my life is positioned by giving. You can't expect to be blessed if you're not sowing into ministry. Why is my finances always jacked up? I can't pay my bill. But somebody has to get up here and pull your teeth to be generous and to give into the kingdom. The Bible, the same Bible that I'm reading and you're reading, it says that when we give, that we will receive. The world that we're in right now, the only way you reap harvest is by planting seed. And many of us, you're in a position where you're wondering why stuff is jacked up because you're present. But you're not positioned. 
That's a word. I, I think somebody got delivered right there. Jesus says, sit down and have the people sat, sit down. And the people who sat down were the ones who received that miracle. Man, that's some good stuff there. So I, I'm closing by just saying to you today, I, I just love the fact that all I have is more than enough for Jesus to do a miracle. Come on, somebody. All I have is more than enough for Jesus. Somebody just say that with me. Say, all I have is more than enough for Jesus to do a miracle. I love the fact that all Joseph had was 11 hating brothers and a conf in the confines of a pit. Come on, somebody. But Jesus still raised him to be the second in command in all of Egypt. I love that all Jeremiah had was his youth and a load of insecurity. But God still used him to be one of the major prophets in scripture that declared the word of the Lord with such accuracy come on somebody i love that all david had was five smooth stones and the taunting of a giant named goliath come on but goliath went down and his head came off even though he was faced with this giant and i love that all moses had was a stuttering tongue and a criminal record but god still used him to take the people of israel out of egypt and bring them to freedom i love that all samson had was a jawbone of an ass and two tight hands but God used him to strike down a thousand men are you with me I love the fact that all Jesus had was three days nail pierced appendages and a borrowed tomb but bright and early on a Sunday morning he took care of death he took care of hell and he took care of the grave I wonder if there's anybody here that before we leave this place will give God a praise because all you have is more than enough for God to do a miracle if he could do it with the little boy's lunch he can do it with whatever you've got somebody say all I have Courtney can you come and join all I have all I have in fact grab the hand of the person next to you not weirdly or anything but I just I just feel just squeeze just squeeze some some faith into their life I just want you to just say all I have come on tell them all I have is more than enough come on for God to do a miracle Come on, now just minister to them. Come on, in this moment, tell them all you have. Come on, tell them all you have is more than enough for God to do a miracle. I don't know who's just squeezed some faith into that person. I don't know what they're facing right now. I don't know what insecurity they're up against. I don't know what it's looking like in their life. But I'm believing that they're out of this message that it's going to encourage and push you to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord to know that he is with you. And that if he calls you and strategically places you, that it's with his desire to use your life as a platform for the miraculous to take place. Are you with me on this morning? And so I'm getting ready to pray and I just want you to, to just put your faith with mine today and just believe that all you have, somebody's going to leave today and is going to go and put all you have to action. You've been holding it up. You've been, you've been bottling it up. But God is saying today is the day when you release that thing. Today is the day when you say, you know what? I'm putting it in the hands of Jesus and I'm going to watch it become something more than I could ever imagine. And so God, I thank you so much for those who are here today. I thank you so much, God, for this word that we heard. I thank you so much, God, that all we have is more than enough 
for you to do a miracle in our lives. Lord, would you just touch hearts today and compel them to be to a place, Lord, and compel us, myself included, to be to a place where we are willing to say yes to what you require. That we're willing to put what we have in your hands, knowing that it's not about what it is that we have, but it's about what it can become when it's in your hands. And so, Lord, I just pray your covering and your protection over all. And I just pray, God, that the rest of their days will be the best of their days. And I thank you for the faith that is rising in this house. And I give you honor and glory. And I thank you so much. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say, amen. Come on. Somebody praise him like you believe that all you have is more than enough.